Monday edition of Smith & Jones. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Can't believe it's already been a week since the Super Bowl. I hear the music playing, and I'm thinking back to last Monday when we hit the air. And we were talking about not just the game, but the halftime show. And a week has passed, and well, Super Bowl last week, an NBA All-Star weekend now in the books. And a Friday that was eh, uneventful, I suppose, to some extent. <laughs> Depends on who you're talking to. Maybe not so uneventful for Raptor fans and for Scotty Barnes. But then an extremely uneventful Saturday night in general, I would argue. I didn't think that the three-point contest was all that great, to be honest with you, Jonesy. But it was certainly better than the dunk contest, which was terrible. And how many times have we said, arguably in history, that the game was better than Saturday night? More often than not, Saturday night saves the weekend in some way, shape, or form, whether it be the dunk contest or the three-point shootout. But normally it's the game that's the dog. And the game last night I thought was outstanding. And since the format change a few years back, what, five years now, I believe, it's been awesome, especially the fourth quarter. First three quarters still competitive because money's on the line and pride and everything else in terms of wanting to raise money for your charity and all that. That's good. But the fourth quarter especially, the way things have changed since the rules has saved the game and made it more competitive. And I thought that was certainly the case again in last night's tilt, and it sort of saved the weekend overall. We weren't there. We've been to many in the past. Maybe it was a different experience to be there in person. But I thought overall Friday night was kind of eh, like take it or leave it. Saturday night was leave it. But last night I was all in. I thought it was awesome, including the incredible halftime show. Yeah, I, you know, on a personal note, I was a little bit cautious with all the stuff going on with COVID, and uh, if we keep trending in the right, ne- right direction, uh, you can bet I'll I'll be out there in Portland next year. Um, a great stop, but uh, it would have been nice to have been there to just be around the seventy-five greatest players, um, two of whom I question on that list. Um, and, and you know, people always say we had it in our group chat, and somebody asked me. Uh, a relative who's not really a, a I think we just lost Jonesy. Why is Vince? Oh, not he's there? back. He's Vince back. He's part back. of the top seventy-five. He should be. Are we having issues? I think we're having issues with Jonesy, the Gremlins, to start the week. Bad precedent to sit here right off the bat. Right off the bat, as Jonesy's talking about the top 75 and guys that uh, made the list versus that didn't. So we're going to get Jonesy to weigh back in here in a second when the Gremlins get kicked out of his system. I think they hit us late last week, and now they're still around. So clearly he did not punt them to the curb on the weekend. So we'll get that figured out in a couple of seconds. Maybe it'll give me a chance to hopefully not trump or, or, or take away steal what Jonesy was about to say, but I will say that there's at least one guy, at least one, and maybe two. And this is the problem, I think, and I'm pretty sure I speak for, for Paul on his behalf, and when he rejoins us, we'll, we'll bring him back in. I think he's there now. Jonesy, we often talk about with all-star appearances, with voting for MVPs or, 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 or all, all-time teams and things like that, well, who would you take off to put so-and-so in? To me, this conversation is easy or easier. I can come up with some names. As you were just talking about, I can come up with a couple of names 
to put on. I think that Vince Carter is slash was deserving. I think Dwight Howard is slash was deserving. And I think Alex English is slash was deserving. Now, there are two names to me that stand out right off the bat that could come off the list. I could probably come up with three or four, but there's two right away. And it's not hating. It's not saying that they're not you know, great players. They're not all-star players. They're not among the best of the best currently in today's NBA. But all-time, all-time in the history of the league, best 75 players ever among the thousands and thousands that have played ever, I would take yeah. off Dame Lillard and Anthony Davis. Those are two uh, right would, away. I would take off the same two, and I would put uh, at least Alex English and probably Vince Carter. When I look at Dame Lillard, I mean, he's a terrific player. Again, as you said, not hating, but what has, he hasn't won a title, and people will say, well, neither did Alex English nor Vince Carter. Yeah, but their longevity and their scoring and what they put up and what they did with their teams at a different time, um, you know, that to me that, and again, it's subjective, but it, it ranks it ranks higher. And this is the problem with these lists and Hall of Fames and stuff like that. The subjectivity, you've got to have some benchmarks. You, and, and when I look at those two, uh, they should definitely. Uh, Anthony Davis, well, when he's healthy, underscore capital letters when he's healthy he's a great player but his championship came in a sterile setting while being paired with the other great player in the world uh i, I just it doesn't resonate for me it doesn't when i look at you know names like through history for me robert parish and larry bird and michael jordan and Anthony Davis isn't in that category yet. He's not. He's not. So, anyway, as I was saying, it would have been nice to have been in Cleveland to be around the top seventy-five. That that mm-hmm. would have been that would have been re- that would have been really cool. Um, and I've been saying for years, he, they need a way to expand the three-point contest, and that's what's to me. That's what saves the weekend. I like the game now that, as you said, since they've changed the format. Uh, I still see kind of, you know, an exhibition, a glorified practice uh, when the game is going on. Like, uh, you know, there's there's some of the records that, you know, Anthony Davis, speak of the devil, has a record for points in a game in 52. Well, it was in one of those games where they were just kind of jogging up and down. And go guys are getting out of the way. They're not playing any kind of defense. They're just ole, go straight to the rim. Go go back and watch some of the all-star games in the 80s and stuff. It was, that's how it got the name, the world's best pickup game. Yeah, there was some fun early on in the first quarter, first half maybe. Then all of a sudden, guys wanted to win. And the competitiveness came out. So, and I, I, don't get me wrong, I'm not this, uh, oh, everything, old man, everything was better in my era. I just think it was a different time. And with charity games and summer games, uh, you know, summer charity games and and things like that uh, coming to the forefront, that's how guys take the All-Star game. It literally is an exhibition, a chance to have eight or nine other guys on the floor while one or two guys do their thing on lobs or dunks or shooting or whatever, 
with no defense. So it wasn't until it got competitive at the end. But as you said, I like the format because it's kind of it's kind of saved the All Star game. And I would do everything to like the dunk contest has to go. It it has to go. Like unless the stars are going to get into it and not be afraid to miss dunks or have people, uh, you know, evaluate them. The, the dunk contest is just, it's so done right now. I need a way to have more uh, in the three-point contest. I, I need more of that. I, I kind of like what the, on rookie night, uh, I feel badly for Scotty, but I kind of like that kind of a competition with the shooting and the time and all of that. Um, but Well, how much, you know, how much do you think the experience for Scotty Barnes, though, Jonesy? Jonesy, how much do you think the experience for Scotty Barnes is going to potentially uh, have other rookies, let alone all-stars, not want to compete? Because he was getting absolutely torched. The best thing for Scotty Barnes was the dunk contest on Saturday night because fairly quickly people stopped talking about Scotty and started focusing on the all-star game. I felt bad for him because you're right. Like, listen... I think we've all been there to some extent, whether you've played at a high level or even just a weekend warrior. You get on the floor, and, and whether it's a short two-footer, four-footer, or you're at the free-throw line, and one day you can't seem to miss, and you, you skunk your buddy or your teammate or your opponent or your kid, 21 zip. And then the next day, you can't buy a shot. So we've been there, right? But, man, how did not one of those go down? He was getting torched, and especially in today's day and age, social media, the memes are already popping up, and every handle under the sun from Joe65802 to, to House of Highlights to Ball is Life to ESPN to everybody else, they were just killing him. But luckily, the dunk contest came, and suddenly people forgot about Scotty. But I go back to what I said 30 seconds ago. How much do you think people see that, players see that, and go, man, I don't want to be a part of that? Because that's the other factor that maybe didn't exist only 20 years ago, right? 30 years ago. It didn't exist back then. It didn't exist, the social media, the spotlight. If you screwed up, okay, if somebody watched the game, you wrote, read about it or wrote about it the next day in the newspapers, but otherwise it didn't live forever in perpetuity over and over and over in reels on Instagram and, and Twitter and everything else. And that might be where guys just like, you know what, I don't need this headache. I don't want to bother. Yeah, could be. I mean, E, but does that, for Scotty, does that override the experience of being at the all-star game, especially this one with, you know, the top 75 guys of all time. I don't know. Maybe I, I could be wrong. Maybe guys don't want to, as you said, live that or, or have that, you know, be a part of, you know, their time, their legacy, their, I mean, uh, 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 you know, a, a bad mark against them. But, um, I, I kind of like the competitions, and if you're, I, 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 I got to tell you, if you're a competitor, you're going to want to take part. You're going to want to take part. So, um, I, I just think they need to put more, more skill stuff in the weekend. Uh, the game is great. I mean, the game will always be the game. I like the new format, but they need to find a way to put. You know more skill stuff in, and I, I look at Friday night. I like the idea of the, the 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 little tournament, the two quick games in a final, and playing to a score. I like that. But these young rookies and sophomores, similar to what's modeled for them in the big game, they went yeah three quarter speed until it got close to the 
until he until it got close to the end, which I, you know, which I suppose is okay. I mean, so you're not guys aren't risking injury. The last thing you want is if you're uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers to see Evan Mobley do his knee in you know the 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 rookie sophomore challenge. So right. I, I I get that I get that, and you know some people were saying bring the uh, bring the old guys back you know to dunk. Well, no, that's why they got rid of the Legends game because. Older guys, their their minds were writing checks that their bodies couldn't cash. So, you know, that's that. Hey, if you want to bring back Dr. J and Dominique and whatever for a standstill shooting contest from different spots, that's that's one thing. But I don't want to see any of those guys hurt either. So, but they got to find a way to put more skill in. You know. More skill in the in the game in that sense. Uh, well, I was I was going to jump in here for a second. I don't know if you saw the tweet. Former Blue Jay, former you know MVP, and uh, you know I don't I can't even remember now. I've, I've forgotten. I can't keep up. Current Minnesota Twin, I think. Did he move on since then? I don't even remember. Josh Donaldson, anyways, Jonesy uh, tweeted out yesterday. Baseball is the only legitimate All Star game in sports. You can't go easy when a guy throws a 100. All the other sports, besides hockey, should stop having them. It's actually embarrassing to watch. Now, two things. One, I kind of agree with the first part of it because baseball is a competitive game. And maybe now we're, we're playing both sides of this or, or, or maybe it's splitting hairs. I don't know which expression you want to throw on it. I don't like the fact that baseball uses the all-star game to decide or determine who's going to have home field advantage in the World Series, American League or National League. Like, that to me is too much for an all-star game. But at the end of the day, his point is valid. You know, a guy's throwing a curveball or a guy's coming in with a, a nasty slider or he's coming at you with 99, 100, 101. You can't fake that. You're either swinging and missing or you're making contact, period. Now, how hard are you running on the bases? How aggressive are you being in terms of stealing bases or taking that extra base and whatnot? That could maybe be called into question because you don't want to pull up on a hammy. You don't want to come in spikes up. You don't want to have collisions at the bases. So I'm sure there are still parts of the baseball game that are not as competitive as they could be, should be, would be in a regular season game and certainly in a playoff game. So I think he's he's maybe overselling a little bit, but it's certainly the closest to the most legit. But the question or the issue I take um, issue with is when he says all of them accept hockey. Are you kidding me? Like, if we're going to sit here and rip basketball and rip football, well, then we can absolutely rip hockey as well. Like, hockey is as much of an abomination as the NBA and the NFL, so don't sit here and say that hockey is the only one other than baseball that should still have it because hockey is just as bad. The one great thing hockey does, and they might actually have leapt ahead of the NBA in this, is their skills competition and their all-star Saturday night, quote-unquote, yes, all-star yes. Saturday afternoon. They've done a fantastic job with the fastest skater and the hardest shot and the accuracy and all that stuff, and they have the top stars in all of those things. I, I agree, and, that, and that's why, that's where my statement came from, E, with find a way to put more skill, more of the skill stuff in your Saturday night, in your weekend, because that's what people want to see, uh, you know, I, the three-point shooting, um, you know, even incorporate some team stuff if you can. I, I just, I just think there has to be, uh, there has to be a way to, to, to spice it up. Um, gosh, the dunk contest was, to me, it, 
not only were there a lot of misses, as I said in our group chat when uh, uh, Obi Toppin was, or Jalen Green was trying to do his dunk, I said, somewhere Nate Robinson is saying, take your time. <laughs> like, and that's the wonderful thing. <laughs> Remember that? Ten oh, tries yeah. to dunk over oh, a guy. Yeah. It's like, somewhere Vince Carter is smiling because everything is a derivation of, and a variable of Vince Carter's between the legs dunk. I mean, they're still doing stuff from 20 years ago. I saw better and, dunks. Yeah. I saw better dunks yeah. in the game last night, right? In the game. Yes. Now, granted, again, guys were getting out of the way, but it was the best of the best. No disrespect to, to Jalen Green and Obi Toppin and Cole Anthony and others, but I saw the best of the best throwing down some nasty in-game dunks. Like, John Morant had two Granted, they were off alley-oops, but had two that were 50s. He would have won. Like, just give him the trophy. Take it away and give it to him. Right? Yeah. No, you're right. And, and see, that's the other thing, too, about you look at a guy like Jalen Green, who's a terrific dunker, or Cole Anthony. Like, they're great dunkers. But an in-game dunk is different from something staged in a contest. In game, it comes to you spontaneously. You know, you're going to the basket, you get past the guy, and you see a big guy there, and it's like, well, if this leaves my hand, it's getting blocked, so I better dunk it. Like those are the things that, you know, in game dunks that that can't be reproduced in a sterile environment, and all the props and the costumes and the, you know, the wardrobe stuff. I it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't do it for me. It doesn't do it for me. Give me give me a night of three-point shooting, uh, give me a night of, of skill, of, of, you know, I don't know, half-court shot contest. I, give me something more skill in the game. And that's why, like I said, the NF, NHL, they do a great job with theirs. Yeah, it's kind of hokey at times, but they do a really good job with their, with their skill session, and uh, we got to do something about it. The game is terrific now. I like the way they finally fix the game. I really like that. Well, one thing I would love to see, and I know you've got a thousand ideas. This is part of your when you when you finally get that meeting with the competition committee. I know you've got a million different ideas, and I know you talked about a an in season tournament that could set itself up for you know the 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 quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals maybe being played at All Star Weekend. I, I've heard that from you a bunch of times in the past. But here's one that that might be fun as well, Jonesy. And I bring it up because we saw, or at least if you followed the NBA, you saw over the weekend images that made their rounds on, again, social media, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and otherwise, of guys inside the locker rooms playing cards before the game. And there's, like, stacks of money on the table. We've seen at NBA shoot-arounds guys play cards or they play dominoes or something, and, and there's money happening. And listen, it's happening at Sportsnet. It certainly has happened with the NBA. It's happening in the world, period. Gambling... Money, sports gambling, sports betting, it's all tied in with pro sports now. And it's obviously a potentially slippery slope if you don't do it right and do it properly. You don't want to be you know, caught in tampering and, and fixing and all that stuff. But it's being done, apparently, hopefully, on the up and up. How good would it be? Because we've seen it at shoot-arounds before, and I'm not going to name names and talk completely out of school, and we're not talking like tens of thousands of dollars, but we've seen guys, Jonesy, on the floor, whether it's Toronto or whether it's other teams. I've had players do it with me. In fact, I'll even name the name because I busted his chop saying that he still owes me money. 
Amir Johnson when he was in Toronto. I don't remember what year it was. Walking off the floor one time before a game. And he's walking off the floor, and he, he would always hoist up a shot right in the corner, right by the Raptor bench before leaving the floor. And I happened to be standing right there. And as he's walking off the floor and he's about to take a shot, he looks at me, he goes, E, how much? I go, what? And he goes, how much if I make bet it? That. Bet I go, that. Man. I go, I don't, have a, I don't have enough money, Amir, to be betting with you. And he goes, 500. I go, I looked at him, and I, like, I knew in my gut, first of all, he's not going to pay me. And am I actually going to pay him if it hits it? I go, yeah, sure, Amir, 500. He shoots, misses. I go, guess you owe me 500. And he laughed and ran off the floor. Never paid me. But we've seen guys make those bets and take the money. We've seen guys at shoot around or at practices like fifty bucks, twenty bucks, a hundred bucks, whatever. We've seen and it's made the rounds again. I don't remember which team it was. It wasn't Toronto, but I'm sure it's happened with the Raptors, where each guy might throw in again, I don't know if it's twenty bucks, a hundred bucks, whatever, literally throwing the money on the floor for half court shots, right? At the end of a shoot around. You know, something yeah. fun to do, a little team thing. And everybody's literally throwing money onto the ground and then the winner has to pick it all up or whatever. Why not do something like that on Saturday night where you could have the players, even if you're giving them the money, the NBA, instead of handing over $100,000, no, I shouldn't say instead of, in addition to handing over $100,000 per quarter in the game, give each guy, like, I don't know, a 1000 bucks and let them bet on each other on the players on the floor for a half-court shot, for a game of horse and, or, or something to that effect. And then the money at the end, the guy who wins takes the money and literally hands a pile of cash to a charity that's sitting courtside or that's right there. Well, how awesome would that beautiful. be? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I was going to say, and let the guy pick a charity and here's who it goes to. You mm-hmm. know, uh, mm-hmm. it's, I, I, I like that. Yeah, something to spice it up. But... That being said, we're past the All-Star Weekend, E, and uh, time to turn for the stretch, the last third of the season. And how about, how about the Phoenix Suns? Um, <laughs> Going to go it basically the whole way. I mean, the playoffs, what do they say? The playoffs start in seven weeks, yep. and Chris Paul is out six to eight. Ouch. Ouch. I mean, that, that, that really hurts them. Um, you know, he's, he's the leader. He's the straw that stirs the drink, and... Uh, for all the people that discounted him as MVP, you know, one of the things is how does a team play without their best player? Yeah, they can get, keep going for a while, but it may show how much more valuable he is when he's out of the lineup. So I, I think the Suns, the Suns have their work cut out for them. Thankfully, they have a six-and-a-half game lead and, you know, hope that Chris Paul gets back healthy and ready to ready to go for... For the playoffs, I mean, for people that say, you know, oh, Phoenix was up 2-0 and they let it get away last year. It's, oh, it's okay, you'll be back next year. This is the kind of thing you point to. There are no guarantees. Things are not linear. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that. So uh, Phoenix is in tough. Phoenix is in really tough all of a sudden. And people are looking at them like, okay, this is a team that they don't have their best player. Not that we are supposed to win, but we have a better chance to win now when we play them. All right, let's, let's be perfectly clear. I know nothing about this. This is just me and my gut. My spidey senses are starting to tingle, Jonesy. Uh-oh. Goran Dragic. He's not Chris Paul, but he met with the Nets on Friday. There's heavy interest from the Lakers. Milwaukee's putting on a push. Clearly, Dallas still wants him, like Luca, especially. But he's not Chris Paul, but he's a heck of a guard. 
with playoff experience who's played for the Suns, and you have a chance, from Goran's perspective, to step into the number one team in the NBA in a market, a city, a team, an organization you know, and I would assume step into the starting lineup, if not right away, within a couple of games once you learn the system, and play alongside Devin Booker, man, if that were me, forget the Nets, forget the Bucks, forget the Lakers, certainly forget the Lakers. I'd be taking the job in Phoenix, and I'd be shocked if the Suns aren't kicking the tires on that right now. To your point, losing Chris Paul for six to eight weeks, you need a veteran presence in there. You need somebody stable. I'd be going after Goran Dragic ASAP. Yeah, uh, it's that, uh, he's played there. Um, he's familiar with. It's not like oh, it's a town that he doesn't want to go to. Um, that that would be interesting. That would be interesting to see where Dragic ends up, and and. Look, now it's time for some of the other guys to take what Chris Paul has taught them, shown them about leadership and teamwork, and apply it. Uh, they're just missing incredible skill on the floor. But, um, man, it, it, just, it, just makes, it just makes the NBA season always a twist and a turn and a story and a storyline to watch. Here we have a new one now. Uh, and maybe this... Maybe this takes momentarily a little bit of heat off the Lakers uh, with what's going on with them. They are, I mean, we're 25, 26 games left, and they're, they're still in the play-in tournament, and no guarantee to get out of that either. And on a much, much smaller note, and I guess maybe I'm tying this back to the All-Star a little bit, or, well, not even a little bit, a whole lot, because it exactly happened at the All-Star. Jones, you were talking about, you know, guys and whether they, you know, want to risk injury or getting hurt and, and, and the impact that it could have on your team and how organizations view it and everything else. Two things. One, let's finish the Chris Paul point. Did you have a problem with him suiting up and playing, albeit only two minutes, but playing last night? Because part of me thought he could have just gone there, put the uniform on, but I know he wanted uh, part of history in a sense, check in, get at least the one's assist, and then boom, pull out. That's that. But then another part of me says, what happens though? Like what if something happens in that minute or two you're on your floor and you hurt yourself even worse? So part of me respects the fact that he still went. Part of me really respects the fact that he put on the uniform and stepped out there, but is it really that important that you actually had to play in the game? You couldn't have just kept your sweats on and stayed on the sideline like other players did? Like, What did you think of that? Uh, you know what? I, and uh, To me, that was the competitor in Chris Paul and the commitment. No, I'm here. I'm, I'm supposed to be in this game. I, you know, I, just, I just got the news. I'm going to play for a bit. And there's a, another side. People will say, oh, that's selfish. You're taking a spot from somebody else. Well, no, no, hold on a second. He earned that spot. And... If he wants to step back and give it to somebody else, that's, that's one thing. But if he wants to be there with his guys, with the guys, and be part of the all-star experience, especially with the top 75 there, and, and you know, go in for a couple minutes, then I'm okay with that. Uh, it, it's for the fans. I'm sure they would want to see him. So I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. I'm, I'm perfectly okay, fine Okay, so the, the, other, the other thing I was going to bring up, speaking of injury, now – I don't know if it's been officially officially confirmed. I'm I'm pretty sure it's official because I saw it from who was it? Uh, man, it's somebody that I believe that works for Fox Sports verified account. Jason McIntyre, I believe it was, sent out the word. I haven't seen it officially from the Orlando Magic yet, but apparently, allegedly, 
the uh, dunk contest was potentially the undoing of Cole Anthony, at least for the next two to three weeks, because word is that he injured his the thumb, thumb? Yeah. in the dunk contest. So here we are, you know, throwing throwing arrows to some extent on the dunk contest itself and questioning, like, I guess it was funny, I guess, that his dad came out and he reached in the bag and he pulls out a pair of Timberlands and he goes down and dunks in boots. Like, if I'm the Orlando Magic in the front office... I'm losing my mind right now. Jeff Weltman, Anthony Parker, and others. Like, I'm losing my mind that he's out there dunking in boots. But then on top of that, he actually does hurt himself. Now, the only quote-unquote good thing, or at least not bad thing, is you're trying to build a culture. You're trying to build a winning environment and experience, and, and he needs to take his lumps, et cetera, et cetera. They're 13 and 47, the Magic. They're dead last in the entire NBA. So... I don't think they're going to miss him. It's going to make them even worse, no doubt, by missing him. But Jonesy, that again goes back to what I was talking about. Guys and the commitment or lack thereof, do they want to risk getting hurt? I don't know. To me, I look at the game, and even with guys trying to clear out and get out of the way, I still see John Morant flying into traffic with his head damn near hitting the rim, throwing down a two-handed reverse alley-oop dunk. You're probably going to hurt yourself more trying to do that than you would with nobody in front of you dunking in a dunk contest. So you know what? Sign up for the dunk contest and do that on Saturday night. Sorry for bringing it full <laughs> yeah. circle and bringing it back to the no, All-Star no, contest. No, you're right. But. No, you're right. You're right, E. And, and um, <clears throat> I mean, people say, oh, don't play in that. You could get hurt. Man, you could get hurt stepping off the curb and turn your ankle. Like, it, it, there's just no – there's no – like, let the guy get into the game. You know, it, Michael Jordan had that in his contract, you know, for love of the game because the Bulls, they didn't want him playing in charity events and summer stuff. And he's like, hey, man, I'm going to play. You write that in the contract, you know, call it some love of the game contract. If there's if I'm if I'm driving through the streets of Chicago and I pass a park and there's a pickup game going on and I'm Michael Jordan, I feel like I want to get in it. I'm 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 gonna play. So don't tell me when I can play and when I can't. And I, I'm with you like this. You know, the, I, I feel badly. I thought he hurt his thumb on one of the dunks. I could see him holding it on Saturday. Yep. Uh, but at the same time, I'm not taking that from a kid. It's a chance to, again, big picture. Look at who he's around. Look at who he's with. Um, soak in the All Star experience. Give him time to meet and talk with. I don't know if he could get. A few minutes with Michael Jordan or Magic Johnson or, I mean, Cole Anthony has a has a, a leg up with his dad being a former NBA player and having played in the finals and a and a you know a, a solid player in the league, but like I said, Scotty Barnes. I mean, it'd be interesting to see to talk to him and see, hey man, did you get a chance to talk to Magic? Did you get a chance to talk to Michael or? Yeah, these are these are legends. I mean, these guys were playing bef- from before they were born, and they hear about them now. They see them. It's different. So I, I'm I'm all for that kind of participation. All for it. Yeah, I, I I hear that. I hear that. And especially this past weekend with the 75 greatest, most of them there. By the way, I said this in the group chat, Jonesy. Uh, you know, it, it maybe is a moot point now because we didn't do it or I didn't do it. But I totally wanted to run upstairs and throw on one of my blue suit jackets or a blazer or something and stand against a and white a wall patch. and wave and just and like I think it would have been a great video for us to promo the show today. Have me, you know, Jonesy's off looking to the right and I'm looking to the left and just waving like. But though those videos of the guys that didn't show, like I mean, there was a bunch of them: Larry Bird, Tim Duncan, and and uh, many others. Lenny Wilkins. Um, 
they were hilarious. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I, whoever's idea that was, I think it was meant to be good. But, like, to hey, try to look like you're you're in the building but just not on the floor so you're looking at the fans. <laughs> they were absolutely priceless. Anyways, all right, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're circling back too far on the All-Star game. But we can dig into the can All-Star give, game a little bit more. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Can I give you one more on the All-Star game? With yes. Carl Anthony Towns winning the three-point contest, he was the biggest long shot, I think, on the board. And yeah. I, I think I asked this in the group chat. I wasn't sure if I heard it correctly. Did he declare himself the best shooting big man of all time? Uh, or something he, to that did effect? Did he actually say that? Or cl- close to it. Like, yeah. I, I don't know about all time, but, but, but among the best, I think, yes. All right. Recency bias, Cat. There was a guy with a yeah. 75 anniversary blazer named Bob McAdoo who... Uh, as as in my era as a kid you know uh, as a as a, a kid in high school when everything was a two and big men played within five feet of the basket bob mcadoo was making jumpers and that to me that was the original stretch four. so anyway we we uh we we move on with the uh the evolution of the game well, we may or may not, because in a couple of minutes, Howard Beck will join us from Sports Illustrated. Oh. We'll talk about All-Star Weekend and also, you know, dig into the final third of the season as well. It's next on Smith & Jones. Covering the Raptors in depth like no one else. The Raptor Show with Will Lou. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Smith & Jones. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Make sure you subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review as well. Joining us on the line right now, always love chatting with our next guest, senior NBA writer from Sports Illustrated, Howard Beck. Howard, how are you today? Gentlemen, good. Good, good, Howard. Hey, I, I, I should there, have Howard. asked... I, I should have asked uh, Lance or, or Mark beforehand. My bad, Howard. Were you in Cleveland, or maybe are you still in Cleveland, or, or is, these one, is this one of the ones that you, you, you passed and, and, and tapped out on? Were you actually in Cleveland or no? <laughs> uh, it's kind of an all-of-the-above thing. I was in okay. Cleveland. I, I left yesterday before the game and watched it from home in New York. Nice. That's probably the that's, best way to do it. That's the best way to do it. That's the way to do it. We call that, <laughs> in my best. industry, we call that the veteran move. Yes. Okay. Because... The Monday after All Stars, the All Star Game, is an absolute cluster. You know what? At any airport, and even more so in a small airport like Hopkins in Cleveland. So uh, you don't want to be part of that. Okay, so Howard, my question was going to be, and I still think it applies because whether it be Friday, Saturday, all the various events and practices and things and hotel lobbies and all that, I'm sure this may have happened. But if I have the story correct, if I'm remembering correctly, one of our conversations months ago, uh, if I'm remembering, Jonesy, reel me in if I'm wrong on this, or, or you can as well, Howard. I think you were telling us a story about one of your past articles and talking to George Gervin and, and getting on the phone in the deep pipes where where uh, he answered the phone or something and just said ice or ice here or something like that. So yeah. I'm, I'm tapping into the fan in you. Forget the, forget the journalism and the writer, just the basketball fan in you. Did you have a chance to talk to see, shake hands with, rub elbows with, some sort of experience with any of the greats or somebody that you really uh, looked up to or enjoyed watching or, or whatever over the course of the weekend with the 75 greatest uh, of all time. Is there any story or any sort of interaction that you can kind of share with us? 
Well, the media hotel for this weekend was the Renaissance in downtown Cleveland, which happened to also be the headquarters for what they call the Legends, the Legends being the Retired Players Association. So we were constantly in the lobby on the elevators, the very, very slow elevators of this very old hotel, um, constantly running into the Legends because they were staying in the same place as we were. So I, I didn't... You know, I, I try to, to just kind of respectfully admire them from a distance. I didn't uh, approach a lot of them. I, I did have some interactions, which I'll get to in a second. But just seeing in passing, um, you know, uh, saw Danny Shays getting on an elevator. Of course, they're representing his father, Dolph Shays. Saw Michael Ray Richardson and got to actually shake hands and meet him because he knows my buddy Mark Spears from The Undefeated. He came over to talk to Mark, and so I got a chance to meet Michael Ray for the first time. Um and then there were the podcast guests that I got through the Retired Players Association. So I sat down for 10 to 12 minutes with Bob Pettit, with Elvin Hayes, with Rick Barry. Um, I'm trying to think of who else I just saw, like, passing through the lobby. Uh, Sam Perkins was hanging out at one point. There were there just people everywhere. And, you know, they didn't necessarily have to be the all-time, you know, the 75 list guys. It was just everywhere you looked, um, there were people coming and going. And then... I had uh, met up with an NBA official for a quick lunch yesterday, and on my way out of that restaurant, uh, ran into Dirk Nowitzki, who I do know a little bit. So Dirk came over and said hello. It was nice to see him. Uh, I'm meeting up with him actually in New York next week for my podcast because he has a book out. So um, there was that's a few of them. Yeah, Howard, it's it's kind of cool to be around those guys, and it, and if you ever, I, I know having been around some of them. Uh, in different settings, if you ever kind of throw uh, uh, just kind of a, you know, a, a nominal kind of innocuous question out there to get them going and they get going and talking about the old days, now now you're set. And, and it's, I mean, <laughs> look, Eric and I get to do it when, when we see Mr. Embry, when we see Wayne Embry around and you and you ask, you start asking questions and they go to town. So I know that. I know that must have been fun, and uh, boy, that, that uh, uh, the, the podcast with Dirk is—I'm sure it's going to be something. Um, Howard, we have we have talked, we've beat it up for a half an hour. Just your thought on the weekend for us, uh, and I speak for Eric. The dunk contest is uh, there's something it needs to be fixed. To me, make the three-point shootout the highlight of All Star Saturday night, and find a way to get more of that and more skill-type things into the Saturday night because. It's a pretty sour ending, the way the dunk contest ended, and it's supposed to be your signature event. Yeah, you know, I almost feel bad for Obi Toppin. I mean, he had a couple of pretty great dunks, maybe not all-timers, but, you know, it was a respectable victory for him, maybe better than some other recent ones. And But the overall quality of the dunk contest and the overall creativity in the dunk contest was down, and so, you know, it almost – feels like people are cheapening it, cheapening it uh, on, on top, Toppin's behalf. And I thought, you know, he did a respectable job. But, yeah, he's not winning it in, in a year with, you know, an Aaron Gordon or a Zach Levine or a Vince Carter. But these are almost unfair comparisons, right? And I think, you know, look, you guys have been around this league as long or uh, as maybe even longer than I have. And I, I think if we if we think about the life cycle of the dunk contest, we this this happens. We, we declare yes. it dead every five to seven years. And then somebody comes along, you get an Aaron Gordon, Zach Levine, when you go, whoa, holy, like your head explodes. And you think, all right, it's back. There's still room 
to be creative, to still take this this contest in new directions, to innovate and 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 and, and revive this thing. And so we've seen it revived a few times after declaring it dead. But right now we are in a, in a, a I think, a multi-year lull again, and it does feel once again like, ah, oh, man, what do we do about this thing? I, I don't know what the answer is. I think one answer could simply be, and it's a tough one, but you got to get the superstars in it. you got to get John Morant in it, right? you got to get Giannis in it. you got to get some of these guys who you really want to see and who have really high stakes on the line, and you know they can pull it off. But the problem is that, you know, back in the day, you know, Michael Jordan did the dunk contest a couple times, and Kobe did it, and a bunch of other of the superstars did it back in their day. But it was the, the bonuses you got back then made it worthwhile for you. And now it's more like everybody's so image conscious, brand conscious, and they don't want to lose it. They don't want to screw it up. Yep. And at the same time, they're already making so much money. You know, just just you know, so so beyond what Michael Jordan made in his prime that there's nothing that can incentivize you to take that risk to your rep that you might lose or that you might blow the dunk or whatever. And so that's a lot of the difficulty, I think. And then part of it too is just you know, you have to wonder how many different ways you can do this, and is there still new territory to explore? I I got to believe there is. But that's tough, and you're right. Like, the three-point contest is the one we can always rely on, right? The, the, the format is perfect and, and, and straightforward. Um, it, it, as long as you get some really good to great shooters in there, and there are always plenty of them, it will always deliver. It's always fun to watch. Like, it is, the three-point contest is, is perfectly done. You never have to, to do anything to fix it. Um, it it's, it's, it's old reliable, right? Everything else, you just never know on All-Star Weekend. Speaking with Howard Beck from Sports Illustrated, maybe right off the top we answer the question, it seems like every five to seven years, well, maybe we just bring it back every five to seven years or three to five years <laughs> or just set the number at five. Maybe. Every five years. Because you know what? If you're, if you're still a player that is going to be good enough to dunk and be considered to be in the dunk contest, then you know what? Every five years, you know, you're, I, I, there's nobody that's going to miss out, right, Howard? There's not some, some hot shot that comes in the league year one and two that we all really want to see but he's probably fizzled out and he's out of the league by the fifth year. Like, so you'll still be in the cycle. Every five years, let's bring it back. And then it entices us, and we maybe can look forward to it like the Olympics. Something new, but then it goes away again. I don't know. But we, we got a whole bunch of goofy ideas we could come up with, I guess. But I, I wanted to ask you about your latest as well. Uh, SportsIllustrated.com, sorry, SI.com officially. Uh, find it uh, you know, in the NBA section under the headline, Superstar Empowerment is Wreaking Havoc on the NBA. Talking about uh, you know, guys forcing trades and the, the the big threes and superstar teams and everything else. But I wanted to pull one of the quotes that you had in your piece. Uh, well, I guess it's combining two quotes, Howard, from Adam Silver. It's no secret that I've expressed my unhappiness with public trade demands. But then he later says, I don't want to pretend standing here that I have some secret idea that I know can fix that problem. Okay, so if he doesn't know, I'm not sure that you will, but I'm going to ask you anyways. How do you fix this problem? Like, how is this going to go away, Howard? And how is it going to improve going forward? Guys forcing trades and trying to maneuver and jockey their way out of contracts to new situations to where they want to be, even if it's not necessarily working with the wins and the losses. Yeah, and let me back up a section, a section, a second for just to to set the premise here. Adam Silver has always been in favor of superstar empowerment, as we call it. He has always expressed support for what LeBron did in 2010 leaving Cleveland for Miami or what Kevin Durant did leaving Oklahoma. 
free agency, they have earned it. They have a right to dictate the course of their careers once they're free agents. The distinction here is that what we have in the last five years, and I, I, I totaled it, and all-star players only, and because there have been a couple of non-stars, among just the, the stars, the superstars, frankly, there were 11 trade demands in the last five years, nine, nine different players, but two of whom did it twice, James Harden and Paul George, forcing their, their way out while still under contract. And it used to be that if you forced your way out, the Anthony Davis version was, hey, I'm coming to the end, and I'm, I'm not going to come back, so you might as well trade me now because you can get something for me. And Paul George did that in Indiana also. And that, that one is, is actually a, a, a logical type of, of, of this uh, trade demand, where it's you're using your leverage – hey, if you don't trade me now, I'm going to be gone. You'll, you'll lose me for nothing. But at the same time, it gives the team an opportunity to recoup some assets of some sort. But it, then it became two years. Kyrie Irving forced out with two years left. And now it's Ben Simmons at four years left. This is really disruptive. Like You sign a guy and you think that, okay, we, this is our team. This is who we're building around. And the next thing you know, they're like, eh, you know what? I don't really want to be here after all. And, you know, whether it's James Harden sulking his way out of Houston and playing in a way that forced the issue, or whether it's Ben Simmons just not playing at all and saying, fine, take my money away. I'll, I'll, I'll challenge it in court later and try to get it back or through arbitration and try to get it back. But in the meantime, I'm just not playing for 54 games until you trade me. That is disruptive to the entire system. You have no stability. And this is not me or I don't think Adam Silver, frankly, saying players shouldn't have some ability to steer their careers, but the contract is important because the entire system of team building is predicated on it. And, you know, forget what it does to team executives or team owners. Nobody has any, any sympathy for them. But what it does to fan bases. I mean, you know, you're, you're a fan. Yeah. Your guy just resigned, And you're thinking, all right, cool, we're off and running. We're going to be contending for titles for the next four or five years. And the next thing you know, the guy's like, eh, no, I'm, I, I want to be somewhere else. I, to answer the question, I don't, I don't have a silver bullet either. And Adam Silver actually used the expression at one point, and I almost chuckled that uh, he does, Silver does not have a silver bullet. Um, I don't know that there's an answer to this one because players are that powerful at this stage of their of this uh, of this league. You know, Howard, and it's interesting because a lot of people are upset at super teams. And look, I'll look back to the to the, to an era that that people. Uh, looked at with terrific glasses in the 80s. The Sixers, after losing, got, ti- got tired of losing to the Lakers and traded for Moses Malone. And he was there with Dr. J. And, you know, that was th- that, those were two stars together. You know, the Lakers somehow finagled a draft pick and ended up with Magic and Worthy to go along with Kareem. And, you know, you had a super team there. Red, Red Auerbach fleeces the Golden State Warriors, and now you have Bird with McHale and Parrish. The only difference is, in this era, the players are doing it, and I think that's what, what's bothering people. And as you pointed out, the cycle keeps getting shorter. And there's, there's got to be a way... Um, there's got to be... Uh, there's got to be a way for management to to kind of curtail some of this. Like, I agree... There's part of me that agrees with what Daryl Morey did. Just part of me. Ben, you work for us. We're paying you $40 million. So if you don't want to play for us, then you sit there until we can do something to get rid of you. And, and yeah, it, it's disrupted. I mean, thankfully for the Sixers, they, had, they have Embiid and they could go forward with that. But um, 
I think the biggest part of it is that, that people frown on is that the players are doing this and it's not management. Mm-hmm. Josie, there, there's no question that that is part of this and that that goes back, at least in the modern era, all the way to the LeBron decision. Some of that was about the way he did it, of course, but a lot of people just didn't like that he did it at all because people are still clinging to these quaint notions of loyalty as if players need to be loyal to teams that are very frequently not very loyal to them. And so, yes, there is, I think, some portion of the public that is still uh, just very opposed to the idea of the players dictating their own careers at all. The story that I wrote and the trend that I'm citing, I don't think is really about that. I mean, some people will, will view it that way, but that's not really what this is about. It's Again, Adam Silver has been in favor of player empowerment or has spoken uh, you know, very much uh, supporting players getting to move around as free agents. They've earned that. David Stern used to say the same thing. Um, and it's not an anti-super team thing either. This is more about if teams cannot rely on a player fulfilling their contract that they've signed, or even sometimes a, a couple years of that contract, uh, it is destabilizing. And it does, you know, at some point, at some point, what, no matter what we all believe philosophically about player empowerment, about leaving a free agency, about support, about forced trades, about forced trades with one year, two years, three years, four, it doesn't even matter what the, this, you know, this group of us in media think. It's the fans ultimately. And, you know, the fans might, be just fine in this situation. I'm sure Sixer fans are thrilled. Well, maybe they're thrilled to get James Harden. The Nets fans are, are probably happy to get Ben Simmons. And, you know, I, it's it's fine. But, like, this trend over the last five years of these force trades happening all the time, becoming such a staple of the league calendar, I think that is a concern for, obviously, front offices. And I think for fans, ultimately, because, like, where, where like, Players don't have to be loyal to teams. I do think that is an outmoded notion. I, but fans are loyal to their teams and often to their, the star players whose jerseys they buy and who they cheer for and everything. And now you don't have that attachment. It doesn't last very long. And I do wonder, like, what does that do eventually to the economics of the league, fan support, fan emotional investment in the league, if it's, if it's just musical chairs and stars are just kind of reshuffling this often? Um, Maybe it doesn't matter. You know, the generations younger than than, than us uh, root for players more than teams, it seems like. I don't have, you know, data to back that up, but that has been a growing trend, and I noticed it, you know, as I've gotten older in this business and had, you know, colleagues who are, you know, 20, now 30, sometimes years younger than me, that they, they're more invested in players than teams, and so maybe the musical chairs thing doesn't matter. Howard, appreciate the time and the insight. As always, again, you can check out Howard's latest at si.com. Howard Beck. Thanks again, Howard. Thanks, Howard. Appreciate it, fellas. Take care. Uh, Howard Beck, join us, national NBA writer.